by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by Whether you're here in person or whether you're online, we have a lot to celebrate today. It is the Sunday after Easter, and we've got some exciting things taking place this Sunday as well. And we're opening our services today with baptism. We have uh, all age groups represented in this baptism today, and it's going to be an awesome experience. We're going to start with Pam Barlow. Pam, you have uh, made your decision today to follow Christ in believers' baptism, and we are excited with you, and we are excited for you. Pam, you've invited Jesus to be your Savior, and now you want to follow him in his divine command of baptism. And as you're obedient to that, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried with him in the likeness of his death, and raised to walk in newness of life. people take these steps of obedience. You know, when we talk about baptism, people often wonder why we get baptized. And we get baptized just to follow uh, the commands and, and the example of Jesus. Baptism isn't something that saves us. It's something we do that shows we're already saved. And now Nancy Lewis is coming to be baptized. Nancy, you have trusted Christ as your Savior. And because you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you desire to follow him in the waters of baptism. And Nancy, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried with him in the likeness of his death, and raised to walk in newness of life. celebrating today, whether, again, you're in person or whether you're online, uh, we want to encourage you just to celebrate and know who God is and what he's doing in everyone's lives. All right, we've got another one coming down. Evan Schaefer. Evan, I need you to sit over here and face this one. Evan, you have trusted Jesus as your Savior. And because you've trusted him as your savior, now you desire to follow him in believer's baptism. So Evan, if you're ready, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried with him in the likeness of his death, and raised to walk in about you, but I love the baptism prayer. 
restaurant this morning. And I'm just telling you this now, if the, the service goes over a little bit, it's not because of my long message today, okay? We are baptizing and celebrating. Adrian, can you turn on, on this side so everybody can see it? All right. Adrian, you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. And because you've trusted him as your Savior, now you want to follow him in believer's baptism. So, Adrian, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried with him in the likeness of his death, and raised to walk in newness. Today, as we continue to celebrate, as we continue to have baptisms and people getting ready for more baptisms now, I want to just kind of cause you to think back if you've already been baptized. Think back to that moment where you trusted Christ as your Savior, where you said, look, I want to follow him and believers baptism. Think back to that moment. Think back to that day where you made that decision and what a decision it was for you in your life and the difference that it made. And we're going to have some more baptisms taking place in just a moment. But if you're online, here's what I would love for you to do. Maybe you can share the moment of your baptism. Maybe you could let us know. Just put that right there in the feed, whether you're on the online campus or, or, or whether you're there on Facebook Live. Just kind of put in the feed, hey, this is when I was baptized. This is how it took place. Because we love to hear about next steps. And maybe you're thinking today about some next steps that you need to take, uh, how you need to, to express your faith. Maybe you would say, I've not been baptized yet, but I want to be baptized. If that's you, uh, we want to encourage you to begin the process of, of taking those next steps and, and sharing those next steps with us and allowing us to be a part of it. Well, we have some more that are coming and uh, they're going to uh, be ready for baptism. Uh, and we're going to invite uh, some young ladies on up. And this is truly an honor and privilege to be able to baptize this young lady right here. Your name is, and I'm probably going to get it wrong, all right, but it's Punamo Lope. Is that close enough? No, no. Well, I know your English name is Marianne. All right, so we are delighted that you have trusted Christ as your Savior, Marianne, and you now desire to follow him in believer's baptism. So upon your obedience to his commands and your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried with him in the likeness of his death and raised to walk in newness of life. Let's All right, we've got a, a couple of more baptisms to go. Now, you're the, the second one in your family today to get baptized. How cool is that? Pretty cool. Are you kind of upset that your little brother got in before you? No, not really. All right. Adeline, you've trusted Christ as your Savior. And now it's your desire to follow him in believer's baptism. And today I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried with him in the likeness of his death and raised to walk in newness of life. The next one ready, Pastor AJ is going to come and he's going to baptize some more.
All right, so Addison Thompson is going to be coming up here in just a minute. There she is, bright ray of shine there coming up. Come on. Whether you're going to get in and you're going to sit facing this way. Okay, so I'm going to sit right down here. It's warm. I know I'm going to take that. But, so Addison Thompson's here. I had the privilege of going over to the Thompson's house the other night and uh, just chatting with them and hearing their kids' stories. And just like anybody, when you're asked to tell your story, you're always trying to make sure that the person listening, like, is okay with your story. So all three of these kids, as they're telling me the story, they're watching me to see what, I, what I'm thinking about, about what story they're telling me. But all of them have accepted Christ. All of them gave a personal profession of faith that they had accepted Christ for themselves. So I'm thankful to be able to baptize Addison today. And so Addison, you've accepted Christ as your Savior, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. And so we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and grab your nose. Grab your nose. Take breath. Buried with him in the likes of the death. Raised to walk in newness of life. Next one up has a little bit of a personal sentiment to me, just a wee bit. This is my daughter, Kaya. So Kaya Runkles is coming to be baptized today. Kaya accepted Christ about a year ago, uh, but we had to get over our fear of water and going underneath of it with our heads. So here we are today. She was excited. Uh, this morning woke up and was pumped about being here and, uh, and follow the Lord in baptism. Her sister, I think, may have been a bit more excited than her. As soon as I woke up this morning, she said, Kaya's getting baptized today. And I said, yep, that's right. So she's here. Kaya, you've accepted Christ as your Savior, right? All right. So I'm going to baptize you, my daughter, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and grab your nose. Take breath. Buried with him in death. And raised to walk in newness of life. Awesome. That's eight baptisms, and we want to give God the honor and the glory for doing that today. I'm going to send it back over to Doug and the Family Life Center. He's going to, to take it from here, the transition there, and here of us and founders are going to pray right after that transition. Amen. How about that, huh? It's like a baptism marathon or something. And you know, those technical problems, they, they do that on purpose. Just make sure you're paying attention. Because you have to pay attention, right? And you hear you're hearing every third word or something like that. That is awesome. God is blessing our church so much. We had a great Easter week last week, and now we're seeing all this carry on. And and I just I just want to thank Him and ask for His continued blessings this morning as we're seeing something happen at Harmony Baptist Church. And I I have the the I guess privilege. I don't know the. Uh, the blessing to talk to a lot of other people, a lot of other churches. There's something happening to Christ-believing churches right now. God is doing something in our midst, and I want to be part of that, don't you? So that means we have to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So we're going to hear the start to a great message series this morning. You're thinking, when are you going to get done talking? I'm biding time here till the pastors get here, so give me a break. I think that as we sit in the congregation or as we listen online, we need to consider, well, you, you know, that's for so-and-so or that's for so We need to consider it's for me. God's talking to me, and he wants me to do something. He's not done with me yet. I thank him for that every day. God's not done with me yet, and I can do something, but it's up to me to make that decision because he allows me to make that decision. So I want to encourage you to make that decision. Let's go ahead and, and have a word of prayer, and we'll turn it over to Pastor Dave. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning, for what it means for those uh, lives that were uh, baptized.
baptized in your name today that, Father, they are saying, I'm part of the family of Christ. I'm openly declaring I'm a Christian. And, Father, I pray that you'd bless them for that, that they would hold us accountable in their presence, that we would show them what it means to walk with you, and that we would hold them accountable and bring them along in their journey in a kind and loving way to, to show them what a great life it can be living a Christian life. Bless us this morning, dear God. I pray that you bless musicians, that you bless Pastor John, that, Lord, you would just have your way upon us, have your Holy Spirit upon us with a fresh anointing. In Jesus' name I pray. All God's people said, amen. 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 Now stand with us this morning as we continue to celebrate. This first song goes right along with baptisms, giving your life to Christ. It says, when death was arrested, my life began. Think about these words as we sing this morning. Sing out with me right here. Load in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested in my life Oh 
start the service, you may be seated. Well, hey, thank you for coming out and gathering with us today. I look back in person. My favorite Gideon is here with us today, uh, and uh, we're glad uh, to, to have you uh, in our service. And when you go around and you look uh, and see Bibles and cards in places, and it's put out there by the Gideons, you just remember uh, that they're putting the Bible in places uh, where somebody is likely to look at it, somebody is, is likely to, to read it in, in a time where they need it, uh, and you pray for uh, all of them and pray for that ministry uh, as it continues uh, to go around the world and, and to make uh, a difference uh, for the, the truth of the kingdom of God. Well, I want to welcome all of you today, and I want to thank you for gathering with us. It's already been an incredible morning, hasn't it? I mean, I feel like we could just pack up and go home, um, but but we're not going to, right? Um, uh, just two, two things. We, we've got the offering, and uh, we, could we skip the message? I, I mean, yeah, that's okay. I, I, I'm kidding, all right? Hey, we are thrilled that you're here, whether you're watching watching online, in person. We want to thank you for gathering with us uh, today, and we're going to have an incredible time. Today, we're kicking off uh, a new series uh, entitled Remarkable. Now, every one of us at some point in time has looked at somebody else's life and said, wow, that's kind of a standout life. What makes them stand out? What's different? And whether we've thought about it like that or not, it's very likely that that's what we've done. And today, uh, we're taking a look at the, the word remarkable, the story of Jesus. And we're going to spend some time in the gospel of Mark, and we're going to take on uh, those first couple of verses, and it's going to be an incredible time as we launch this new series entitled Remarkable, the Story of Jesus. Well, today, uh, if you've got a prayer request, we want to encourage you to share those prayer requests with us. Uh, you can do that by downloading our app and filling out a Connect card uh, and just uh, letting us know about that prayer request. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, online, in person, we want you to, to do that and let us know that you're watching. Let us know that you're, you're with us in person or online. We want to be able to serve you in the best way that we can. And one of the ways that we can serve you is to be able to pray with and for you. So if you could help us out with that, uh, we would appreciate it. If you're visiting with us today, we have a, a, a gift that we would love to send home with you today. And if you would just stop by the Connect Center on your way out, uh, we would love to give you uh, that gift. I'll be there. Some others will be there after the service. And uh, we just want to encourage you to stop by and be a part of of that. Today I've got a couple of very important prayer requests uh, that, that I want to ask you to uh, pray uh, about and, and to pray for. I want to ask you to pray for Terry Leak. Uh, Terry was walking uh, yesterday in his neighborhood as he does on a regular basis. Uh, he fell, uh, was injured, uh, and uh, he is in the hospital at Methodist right now. Uh, there's some concerns uh, taking place, and that's the latest information uh, that I have. So please pray for him. I want to ask you to pray for the Lynch family, the entire family, Chase Lynch. 20, 21 years old, uh, lost his life uh, in, in Danville uh, earlier this weekend, and I just want to ask you to pray uh, for the Lynch family, that God would be with them as they're grieving the loss of uh, this young man, uh, a fine student, uh, an athlete uh, that, that went through Danville, uh, got a family, uh, and uh, we just, we just want to uh, pray with them and for them that God would be with them uh, and take care of them during their time of grief. Well, again, I want to thank you for being with us today, and uh, we're going to have an incredible time as we worship and celebrate uh, who Jesus is together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today, and, and we thank you for hope that's found in you. And Lord, today as we come together and we celebrate that hope, as we take a look at your life, Lord, I pray that uh, all of us that have gathered here today, uh, when we leave this place, uh, whether it's online or in person, that our life will be different. And Lord, we just ask that you would 
uh, be with the Lynch family. Lord, there's many of them, and, and they're hurting today. And I can't imagine the pain that they're going through. But God, I ask that you would be real to them and that you would move in their life, comfort them, strengthen them. Father, I ask that you would be with the Leak family, uh, that you would take care of Terry and that you would be with Connie uh, and, and just bless them in, in their time of physical uh, struggle. God, we come to you today, and there are many needs that are represented throughout the hearts and lives that have gathered here and those that are watching. And Lord, we just ask that you would be real in each and every one of those situations and that you would make a difference that only you can make. For it's in Christ's name we ask. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us one more time? We've seen people take their next steps this morning. If you have a next step to take, it's a choice. You can take that today no matter what your step is. This song says, yes, I will. And no matter what your next step is, you have to choose to do those things. So as we sing these words, think about how it applies to you this morning. Sing with me. I count on one thing. The same God who never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes.
your choice. What will you do with it this morning? Let me encourage you to build your life on Jesus. Sing. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Sing them this morning. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
This morning, you may be seated. Well, today we kick off a brand new series entitled Remarkable. Remarkable is all about the life of Jesus, the story of Jesus from an up-close perspective of a guy by the name of Mark. Mark is, is written, and it's one of the four Gospels, but it's probably the, the earliest Gospel, and he gives Jesus a totally unique look. In, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is really presented as a servant, one who came to, to make a difference for you and for me. And when I think about the word remarkable, I, I, I think of one that, that stands out because they're unique. They, they stand out in, in, you know, in a way that is positive because they're different. And when we begin to look at the, the life of Jesus through the, the eyes and through the writings of Mark, here's one of the things that we're going to find out. His life is truly remarkable because he was a remarkable servant. Because he was willing to give his life away so that you and I might know what life is. Isn't it amazing sometimes when we think about a, a remarkable person, somebody that's remarkable in this life, we might look and, and see somebody who's uh, accumulated a lot of stuff and we would say, man, they've, they've done a fantastic job. They're the CEO. They're an incredible leader and they do all of these things because they've amassed something. Yet Jesus' life, when, when you look at his life, his life is described as remarkable, and it is remarkable. And according to Mark, one of the reasons his life is remarkable is because he was willing to give his life away. Well, today when we look at the first few verses, we're going to discover that, that there were other people in the story of Jesus and in the life of Jesus that were willing to give their life away. And we're going to discover this truth, that if you want a remarkable life, if you want a story worth living, then one of the things that we need to do is to learn to give our life away, to learn to kind of make room for some things in our life that we desperately need. Well, let's take a look at Mark chapter 1, and in the first several verses in, in Mark, here's, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see some, some remarkable people doing something that, that's absolutely incredible, and it was making room for Jesus. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been in a situation or a, a setting where you, you just walked in and, and, and you, you looked at a room, maybe it was your house, maybe for some it's your car, um, you know, may, maybe it's an office, and you just walk in and you look, and you say, man, this place is crowded, it's cramped, and it's not because it's not big enough, it's because there's a lot of stuff in here, right? A lot of things that, that maybe you just kind of need to unpack and, and, and get rid of. I, I was talking to a guy earlier this week, he's incredibly brave, I don't recommend it, I, it's not something I, I say in marriage counseling, but one day while his, his wife was gone, uh, he went ahead and emptied the attic. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought, but you know what? He lived to tell about it. 
right? I, I mean, he, he, he survived. He said, man, it, it, we, we got to make some room for something important, right? Something that, that really mattered to him, right? That, that, that was the, the key in, in, in that setting. Well, here's a, a reality. All of us have a life that's just filled with stuff. We, we've got some things that our, our life is in need of, of repair. There's some areas of our life where we really need to make room for, for what matters, and when we begin to look at the gospel and the story of Mark, as he talks about Jesus in these first 13 verses, today we're talking about a remarkable life, and we're talking about making room for Jesus. So, so in Mark chapter 1, here's what we read in the, the first verse. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God. Here's how Mark starts off. Mark starts off and, and says, let me tell you about some good news. How many of you could use some good news right now? I mean, we, we've lived for the past year, and we've been in need of some good news. We, we've been in need of something that, that not only makes us feel good, but something that can make life better for us today, right where we are with the circumstances of life that are taking place. Mark starts off and he says, hey, I just want to tell you about some good news. I want to tell you about something that's absolutely incredible because that's what the word gospel literally means. It's good news. So Mark starts off in, in a completely unique fashion, and he starts off and he says, hey, I've just got some good news for you. So I want to tell you today, I've got good news for you. No matter where you're at in life, no matter what's going on, today there is good news, and, and we're going to bring it through this message from Mark the first 13 verses. He says this, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Then in verse number four, it says this, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. It says, and he preached, saying... There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting. I'm sorry, I missed a, a verse. I, I, I left my glasses back in the office. Verse number nine. It says, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now we go to verse number 10. And immediately, coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan and was with wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. As we take a look at those first 13 verses and we begin to just walk through some things, John starts off, or Mark starts off talking about John the Baptist, and he talks about this one that's bringing good news in the form of Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible tells us that John's a, a unique individual. I don't know about you, but, but he's, not, not, he's not wearing a camel hair sports coat, all right? Uh, this is not a trendsetter. This is a guy that's literally wearing a skin of, of camel hair, and, and he's wearing a, a, a crude leather belt that 
that goes around it. It just kind of means it's, it's homemade, and that is his outfit. So uh, let me tell you something. Ladies, uh, you know, teenagers, the next time you go somewhere with your dad and you think, man, he's really dressed like a dad right now, just understand this. He's not as bad as John the Baptist, okay? It could be worse. And you say, look, that, that's a different timeline, a different time frame. Here's the reality. He was way out of style, way out of fashion. When we begin to look at this truth about John the Baptist that, that Isaiah would give us, and Mark talks about, hey, there's one that's going to come, and he's going to tell us about Jesus, and he's going to use these words, prepare the way and make his path straight. What does that mean? Well, what, what is unfolding in that passage leading up to a remarkable life? Well, when we begin to look at what John says, John comes to people, and, and here's what he says, and here's how Mark starts off. Mark starts off, and, and he says, look, we've got this message that's telling us to make room for Jesus. You know, a lot of us want good news. A lot of us want something different, but, but we're not making room. Some of us already know Jesus, and, and we've walked with Jesus for, for quite a while, but, but here's the reality. Our life is so crowded with so much stuff that there's really not that much room for Jesus. Why, why was John saying, hey, prepare the way and make room? Why was he saying, prepare and make his path straight? Because in this day and age, when, when John is writing, when the prophet Isaiah was speaking, and John comes and begins to talk about it, here's what would happen. When, when a king was going to come to a city, when a king was going to arrive, here's what they would do. They would send a crew ahead of him. And that crew ahead of him would, would do things like widen the roads, level hills, fill in ditches, repair the potholes, do all the things that, that are necessary to make room for the king and his entourage to come into that place and to live and to dwell and to visit there. And do you know what John says? John says, look, we're not just preparing for, for Jesus a good guy to come. He, he said, here's what we're doing. We're preparing for a king to come. Let's begin to make room. Let, let's begin to make room for the one who is on his way. What would your life look like if you knew that a king was coming to your house today? What would your life look like if you knew a king was going to ask you some questions Today, If he was going to invite you to sit down at a table with him today and just have some conversations, what would your life look like? What, what would you begin to change? What would be different about you? When we begin to look at this remarkable life of Jesus before Jesus even comes on the scene, here's what John says. John says, look, if, if you want a remarkable life, then here's one of the things you have to do. You have to be willing to make room for Jesus. You see, some of us don't have more Jesus in our life because there's no room for him. There, there's, there's no one looking at our life and saying, look, here's the reality. I've got some things that, that need to be taken care of. I've got some ditches in my life that, that need to be filled in like they would have done in this day. I've got some repairs in, in the road of my life that need to be repaired. I've got some restructuring that needs to be done. John was saying, prepare the way. He was saying, look, there's one that's coming, and, and we need to do something to make room for him in our life. You know, one of the things that we discover today is, is this. Our culture's not making much room for Jesus. 
Our culture's not making much room for Jesus. And we look at our culture and we say, hey, what are they going to do to make room for Jesus? Well, well, can I tell you something? John wasn't looking to the government and John wasn't looking to the culture. John was talking to people that, that went to the temple to worship. John was talking to people that were religious. John was talking to people that had, had never heard of this Messiah before. And he said, look, if you want your life to be different, then here's what you need to do. You need to begin to make room for Jesus. Now, we begin to, to look at, at John, and, and we begin to, to unpack some of the truths that were there. John the Baptist, he comes, and, and here's what he's doing. He's crying out, and he's saying, hey, I've got good news. It's on the way. We need to make room for Jesus. Why did they need to make room for Jesus? Because religion in John's day had done what religion in our day has done, and it's crowded Jesus out. It crowded God out. And instead of being filled with a, a place where, where people were, were looking to the, the true God and, and worshiping him, do you know what they were doing? They were busy trying to get good enough. They were busy trying to keep laws. They were busy trying to make sure that they counted their steps on the Sabbath so that they could live a life that somebody else would say was good. And John comes and says, look, here's what I want to do. I want to call you away from trying to be good enough to trusting that Jesus is enough. I want to call you away from trying to do enough sacrifices and to say enough ritualistic prayers to where you come and realize that way back at the beginning when God set this whole thing up, he never intended for us to become enslaved to the law. He intended for us to look and say, wow, you know what? Those Ten Commandments... It's pretty high standard. I can't keep those on my own. I need his grace. I need his mercy. I need his forgiveness. You see, John was telling him to prepare the way because Jesus had been crowded out. So what did he do? He, he was preparing the people. Do you know what he was doing? He was saying, why don't you come on out of the temple? Not to, not to come and be baptized just to get wet. Not to come and, and be baptized for, for the forgiveness of sins. It was to come and, and restore a faith and reconnect with Jesus at that point in time. It was a demonstration of faith that, that I'm coming out of an old system to a new and better system. I'm coming into a relationship, and that's what John was calling them to. Now, when we looked at John's life just a, a moment ago, it, it said that he was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Now, can we just agree that John was different? It says he, he was crying in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And, and people that are in Judea and those that are, are from Jerusalem went out to him and they were baptized in, in the Jordan and they confessed their sins. You see, not only was John preparing the people, he was saying, look, you're, you're engaged in a system of religion, and you need to come out from, from that. John was preparing his life. You see, John wasn't tied to the material. He wasn't tied to the political powers of his world. He was tied to a relationship with, with God. And, and here's what made John different. 
Here's what caused him to, to truly stand out as you begin to trace his life through. What caused him to stand out is, is this. He was more tied to, to God into a relationship and a faith in him than he was tied to anything else. You see, John just had a heart to follow Jesus. He had a heart to follow God. He wasn't tied to the people at the temple and what they thought of him. He wasn't tied to needing their approval of what he wore or, or what he didn't wear. He said, I'm, I'm seeking the, the approval of God. He was preparing his life. Now, now, John would lose his life a short time into his ministry. Here's a guy that's a cousin of Jesus, and, and he's coming and he's saying, look, we need to make room for this one who has come and is completely unique. What was John tied to if he wasn't tied to the political powers, the material things of, of this world? What was he tied to? Well, the Bible says this. He preached saying, there comes one after me who is mightier than I. When's the last time you heard somebody talk about how great somebody else is when we're talking about a remarkable life? John's a, John's a prophet, and he's saying, look, you don't need more of me in your life. John was preparing the people, and he was pointing them to Jesus, not himself. John was tied to humility. John was tied to a personal humble relationship with God. John acknowledges this. Here's, here's what he says in verse number eight. He says, I indeed baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Do you know what John was saying? John was saying, look, I'm able to do some things that might show up on the outside, but Jesus is interested in doing some things that come through on the inside. Later, John would say in John chapter three and verse number 30, John would say this, I need to decrease because he must increase. Think about that for, for just a moment. We've got a prophet saying, look, here's, here's what, what needs to happen. You need to prepare for one that is mightier than me. You need to be, be preparing for this one we call Jesus. And here's what we do. Just like they, they clean up the roads and they get some things there. He's saying, I'm calling you out from a broken down temple structure. I'm calling you out from something that's broke, and it's not what God ever intended it to be. He never intended you to try and be good enough. He never intended you to try and keep this and, and to keep that. He's saying, I'm calling you away from that, and I'm calling you to something that God intended. Faith, trust, a relationship with him. To make room, to make room for Jesus to operate. John would lose his life for the very things that he's saying and doing right now. You see, John lived different because he was different. And one of the things that was different about him is this. He had room for Jesus in his life. Did you know what I loved about the shutdown? I, there was a lot of aspects about it. Do you, do you know what I loved? I loved that when we sent out a devotional in an email, people opened it. In case you don't know, we can see who opens and who doesn't, right? <laughs> so a little advice, even if you don't read it, just open it. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just, just there. That's just a common thing. Now, if it demands a response, yeah, I mean, you might want to look at the subject first, you know, because then you can't say you didn't open it if they knew you opened it. But anyway, do, do you know... Do you know People had all kinds of time. People spent more time with their family. They spent more time 
in some aspects, engaged in many settings and situations where Christ was at the center. And, and now things are opening back up, and do they need to open back up? Absolutely. Should we have ever shut down? That's an entirely different discussion for a completely different day, and, and what we think about something like that doesn't necessarily matter. But there was a distinct difference, in it, and it's this. There was a lot more room in our life than, than what there is right now. Because even though things are ramping back up and it's slowly, slowly ramping back up, there's a lot of things that are already starting to crowd out Jesus. Fear crowds out Jesus. Schedule crowds out Jesus. The things that, that he was competing with two years ago went away for a, a little while. And, and, and many churches struggled. But, but can I tell you this? Many churches thrived. And one of the reasons they thrived is because people made more room for him to thrive. Sometimes our, our life is, is run down and in need of repairs because we just really haven't made much room for Jesus. I, I don't know how else to, to say it but that. I, I don't say that to, to be offensive. I, I don't say that to say, hey, my life is perfect and somebody else needs to, to clean their life up. But, but I, can, I can tell you this. I'm amazed at the, the things that we, we make room for in our life. And we give no room to Jesus. And people will say, well, well, I do that on my own. Well, well, let me tell you something. He never called you to do it on your own. He never said, hey, I want you to go ahead and, and forget assembling with other people online or in person. And just go do whatever you want to do. And, and when you get around to it, make a little room for me. No, Jesus said, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make room for me in your life. John says, make room for him. Get away from the broken traditions. Get away from the things that, that are, are not doing you any good or anybody else any good. And come back to where Jesus is at the center. That's what John's baptism was all about moving back to a faith-based system coming back and saying look i'm going to be like our father abraham and this thing is by faith this thing is is about relationship and if we want a remarkable life i can tell you this if you want your life to be better later on today than what it is right now i can just tell you this make more room for jesus I don't know what that looks like in your life. Maybe it begins with, with making room for him from, from a standpoint of, of where you're going to, to go ahead and say, look, here's some things that, that I need to do. Maybe it's I need to trust Christ as my Savior. Maybe it's I, I need to take a, a next step. Maybe it's I need to remove something from my life. You see, when we begin to look at John, he just says, make room for Jesus. John lived different because he was different. And it didn't matter that the temple had crowded Jesus out. It didn't matter that the Jews of his day had crowded the Messiah out and left no room. Here's what John said. John said, you know what? I'm going to live my life with room for Jesus. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to have margin for Jesus. I'm going to live my life and, and Jesus isn't just going to be on the edge. Jesus is going to be on the center. So, so I'm, I'm calling you out to come and put Jesus at the center of your life. Well, in verse number nine, it says, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Matthew and Luke and John record the Matthew and Luke record the, the baptism of Jesus in, in a way that they have a discussion. 
And, and John is like, look, I, I don't need to, to baptize you. And Jesus says, oh, no, you do need to baptize me because this is the way it's supposed to be. It says in verse number 10, and immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Did you know what? John says, he says, first of all, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make room for Jesus. And here's what happens when you make room for Jesus. When you make room for Jesus, you make the Father proud. Now, I want to tell you something. There's never been a, a kid that doesn't want to make their father proud. Never been one. There, there's some, some human psyche that, that even when children are rejected by, by their dad through bad relationship, through misunderstanding, through the dad leaving, whatever it might be, they still want to make their father proud. That is in us. We seek that information. And dads, that's, that's why it's important that we're connected. And when we see a conversation that, that's taking place between Jesus and John. And Jesus is like, you're supposed to baptize me. And John's like, no, I really don't know whether I should do that or not. And Jesus is like, no, you're going to do, do this, all right? You're going to baptize me. And they go out into the water. And all of a sudden, the Bible says when Jesus is coming up out of the water, here's what happens. Immediately, the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And you hear this voice that's saying, wow, I couldn't be more proud. You see, what is baptism all about? It's, it's about identifying with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's a public statement of this is what I am identifying with. And here's what Jesus is saying, and here's what he's doing, and he's living out. He's saying, here's what I'm doing. I've come to die, to be buried and to rise again. Jesus is going to start his ministry in, in just a, a short time after this baptism experience. And, and here's what we see Jesus doing. Jesus comes from the beginning of his ministry. And he says, look, I've come to do one thing. And that's to give my life a ransom for many. I've come to lay down my life. I've come to live in agreement with what it was said I would do. You see, when we look at Mark chapter 1, and we're 10 verses in, and we see the life of Jesus, do you know what Jesus is saying? I've come to die and to give my life. Who would he come to die and give his life for and to rise again? Who, who would he do that for? He was doing that for you and for me. And John says, look, make room for Jesus. When you make room for Jesus, you have the opportunity to make the Father proud. I want to tell you something, just a, a little bit ago, our Heavenly Father is more proud of every one of them that took that next step of faith and followed and identified with Jesus in baptism. They identified with his death, his burial, and resurrection. That The Bible couldn't be more clear that, that baptism doesn't save us. It's always been about faith. With Abraham, it was about faith. With, with, with Adam and Eve, God said, look, you messed up, and he clothed them, What? He clothed them with skin. There, there was the, the sacrifice of, of, of blood. There was the blood that was shed. There was atonement. He covered them in that. He didn't cover them in water. He, he covered them with, with a picture of one that would die. And we began to look and, and just trace it through Scripture. And we find out over and over and over again that, that here's what happens. They were identifying with the symbol of who Jesus was and what Jesus came to do. It says immediately the Holy Spirit moved. Immediately, Jesus moves into ministry. God moved immediately and said, look, I'm well pleased with my son. 
Let me ask you something. Are you making the Father proud? I mean, right now, if, if you're a Christ follower, would, would he look at your life and say, wow, I couldn't be more pleased that they're my child. That the life that, that they're living couldn't be more pleased. Think about that for, for just a, a moment. And, and, and remember, we're not talking about being good enough. We're not talking about trying to, to get something right. John was calling people from, from coming out and saying, look, here's the deal. You're never going to be good enough. Let's get back to what this was in, intended to be. God gave you ten commandments, and you added and added and added. He says he, he gave them so that you would know we, we need a, a faith-based relationship. Because you're, you're not good enough. And Paul makes that, that plain. And, and God made that plain in the Old Testament as well. We, we just missed it there. We, we see it in, in the New Testament clearly. But they come out. They make room for Jesus. They begin to trust him. They place their faith in him. And, and we begin to, to see when, when Jesus comes and, and lays out what he's going to do with his death, his burial, his resurrection, and the, the symbol of, of baptism... The Holy Spirit descends, you see the Trinity working together, and you see the Father saying, wow, I am proud of my son. What was, what was Jesus doing? Jesus was walking in obedience to the Father's plan. And, and the question for us today is, is this, not am I good enough, not, not am I doing everything right, but do I have a heart with the Father and am I, for the Father, and am I following him the best that I can? Because that's really what it comes down to. Are, are you making your father proud? Not, not your, your earthly father, your heavenly father. We, we begin to, to look a little bit further, and, and here's what we're going to discover. That Jesus does something that we need to do. It says immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness and he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. When we look at what Mark writes, Mark tells us that we need to make room for Jesus and we need to make the Father proud because we're all going to encounter some extreme difficulties in this life. You see, Jesus would immediately leave and, and he would go and spend 40 days in the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan and he was surrounded by wild beasts. What, what, what does this tell us? It tells us that we need to make him our source of strength. That's, that's what it tells us. Make him your source of strength. Do you, do you want a life that's remarkable? Then make him your source of strength. You say, John, what, what do you mean by that? Can, can you just begin to, to give me a glimpse of, of what you're talking about? Well, the Bible says that Jesus was immediately compelled. He was immediately driven to go out into the wilderness. He knew what was coming, and he knows he's going to be tempted by, by Satan. But, but here's what, what happens. 
as he's compelled, as he does this immediately, and he encounters Satan, and Satan tempts him, and, and Satan tempts him in, in multiple ways. It's all written in, in Matthew chapter 4. And as we take a look at, at Matthew chapter 4, here's what, what's going to happen in the life of, of Jesus. Here, here's what's going to happen as he's facing that temptation. And, and we need to, to read it. I, I know we're a little bit over already, but that's okay. We're still going to beat everybody else out of church, I promise, all right? You're not going to be behind, be behind on lunch plans. It, listen to this. It says, well, that's the truth. That's all anybody's worried about. It, when, it, when we talk about going over and the service extending a little bit, here's what it says. Matthew chapter 4. It says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now, when the, the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. What's this about. Jesus was tempted by Satan. And, and how did Jesus overcome it? The first thing is Jesus overcame it with the word of God. The second thing is this, Jesus overcame it by recognizing that God is in control. We don't have to prove that he's in control. When, when circumstances are awry, when, when things are going on in our life that, that we don't understand, that, that we don't get, that just don't sit well in our life, here's the reality. Jesus said, look, I don't have to prove anything to you. God is in control. I've already identified the fact that I, I'm going to die, be buried, and, and rise again. That's the picture of his baptism. He said I, he's in complete control. And, and then he, he said this, and, and we get through times like this by, by worshiping him. That, that means ascribing worth to him, valuing him. Jesus tells us if we, if we want to live a remarkable life, our life centers on the word. It centers on knowing that he's in control and living our life for something beyond ourself, something and someone that is greater than ourselves, and that is the Father himself. We rely on him for strength. Do you know that, that Mark says he was surrounded by wild beasts. Mark was, was primarily writing to people that were of, of a Rome background, maybe of, of a Roman descent. Others mixed in, but it was not uncommon in the day that Mark was writing for, for believers to literally be surrounded by wild beasts. They, they would take believers in the day of Nero People that were Christians, we think we have it tough. Just hang with me a couple more minutes and, and we're done. Here's, here's what they would do. Here's what they would do. They would take them. They would clothe them with freshly skinned animals, blood dripping. They would put them on a stake. And a Christian just like you and just like me were clothed in those wild beast skins 
and drippings. And they would watch as living wild beasts would come and devour them. Or they would put them in an arena type of setting and literally surround them by wild beasts and let their wild beasts have a go at it. Here's what Mark says. Mark says, look, he was surrounded by wild beasts and we think that he's out in the wilderness and he's just surrounded by a a couple of different things and, and having some struggles. Mark is giving us a word picture and his readers of an early day and those that were gonna hear it, something that they would understand. They knew what it was like to be surrounded literally by wild beasts that wanted to take their life, by a culture that said, we want to stop you. And do you know what Mark said? Jesus was living in that time, and and he said, we're living in that time. And he tells people in 2021, we're living in that time. It looks a little bit different, but we're surrounded by people who would like to stop our faith. We're surrounded by settings and circumstances and situations that can make life difficult, that can make life uncomfortable, that can cause us to have many questions. And and here's a reality. Mark says Jesus did it by relying on the Father's strength. Here's what happens. The angels came and ministered to them. Do you know what? God always has a plan to strengthen you. Always. He didn't leave Jesus on his own. He's not going to leave you on your own. Angels came and ministered to him. It means they strengthened him. God always has a plan to strengthen you. So, so honestly, today, it, it just really comes down to what we look at in, in, in the Gospel of Mark in those first 13 verses. Mark is, is calling them out through the story of, of John the Baptist through his life of, hey, You need to come from a a system of trying to be good enough and and make room for Jesus in your life. Turn to him. Today, maybe you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your savior. Maybe you need to make room for him. And here's how we make room for Jesus. We make room for Jesus by coming to a place, not where our life is all cleaned up and we're good enough on our own. Making room for him means this. We recognize our need for his grace. And we say this, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I've missed the mark. And Jesus, I want to invite you to be that Savior, to be that one that forgives, to be that one that saves in my life. Because when we begin to do that, we're in the process of making room for him. Today, if you've never done that, I would encourage you to do it right now. Maybe you've already done it, and you say, John, honestly, I, I know Christ is my Savior, but, but I'm kind of like some of those that John was calling out of the temple. Um, I've, I've, I've gotten away from Jesus being the center of, of my life. Mark said in Mark chapter 10, verse number 45, for even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Maybe you would say today, look, I've drifted from being a servant like Jesus was a servant, and I need to make room for him in my life. Where do you need to make room for Jesus in your life? It could be lots of different areas. You know the answer to that question. Where could you make room for him? 
Let me ask you this. Are you making him proud? Are you making him proud? Jesus made his father proud, and part of his plan for you and for me is to make God proud. And that happens when we're following him and when we're obeying him. Are you relying on him to be your source of strength? Because honestly, if Satan didn't leave Jesus alone, what makes us think he's going to leave us alone? If he went out and he tempted Jesus in all these ways, why do we think that we're going to live an easy life that has no temptation and no struggle? Jesus relied on his strength. And we can live a remarkable life by relying on his strength as well. What do you need to make room for? Are you making him proud? Whose strength are you relying on today? Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Today, if you're here, you're watching online, and you've never had a moment where you've trusted Christ as your Savior, here's what I would love for you to do. The Bible says that all heaven rejoices when someone turns to him. Today, if you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, if you've never invited him to be your savior, right here, right now, simple as you know how, just say, dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned, I know that I'm not perfect, and I'm going to trust you to be my savior. If you've never done that, do that right now. Maybe you've already done that, but you would say, John, I really need to make some room for Jesus in some areas of my life. I, I need to be making him proud in, in some other areas. I've got some things going on and I need to rely on his strength. Whatever it might be. I want to encourage you right where you are to take that time to have that conversation with him as we pray together. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. Lord, as some are asking you to forgive their sins and they're accepting you as Savior right now, Lord, I pray that You'll help anyone do that that needs to do that right now. Just guide them. Direct them in that process. Father, for those that would say, I know you, but I need to make room for you. There's some things in my life that I've let go, some areas that need to be built up. Father, help them. Lord, for all of us, help us to live a life where there's plenty of room for you, where you're free to run our life, that we're being obedient and making you proud, and Lord, that we're relying upon your strength. Lord, I ask that you would work in hearts and lives, not just at this moment, but as we go out through the rest of our week, the rest of our day, speak to us, we pray. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all 
eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I wanna encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.